spend more effort than that, but <laughs> oh gosh. We are finishing up uh, as far as our Sunday services, Advent today. Uh, we'll, we'll actually finish on Christmas Eve, but as far as Sunday services, today is our, our last Advent message. And Advent, again, just means coming, it means arrival. It's the season that we celebrate the arrival of, of Jesus, God in the flesh. And we also, as we celebrate the, His first arrival, we look forward to His second coming. This year's theme was Jesus, the name above all names, and that's what we will talk about Christmas Eve. Uh, but we've had messages leading up to that that all talk about the different names of Jesus. Today, that is Emmanuel, Jesus Emmanuel. And we'll be in Matthew chapter 1. We'll look at those two verses there as far as what we will dig into um, today, as far as what we will dig into today. So we've we looked at Jesus being the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the, the Prince of Peace. We've looked at Jesus being the Son of David. We looked at Jesus being the Son of God. Last week we looked at Jesus being Savior, and that being His whole mission for coming in the first place was because we needed forgiveness of sins. And then today we look at uh, Emmanuel. Emmanuel will be in Matthew chapter 1 here just shortly. Uh, I've read this story before. I read it again this week about uh, Muhammad Ali. I like, I like Muhammad Ali. He's an interesting, interesting character to say the least. Um, and he was on an airplane one time. And he was in first class and it was time to you know, buckle your seatbelts and get ready to take off. And the flight attendant came by and asked him to buckle his seatbelt and went on about her business. And she came back and he hadn't. She asked him again, and he didn't. She went on about her business. She came back, and she was kind of frustrated by the third, third time. She said, sir, you have to buckle your seatbelt before we can take off. Everyone has to buckle their seatbelt before we can take off. And he looked up to her and said, Superman don't need no seatbelt. And she was, <laughs> she was aggravated by this point, and she looked down at him and said, Superman don't need no airplane either. <laughs> so... What does that have to do with today? Well, one, it's just a funny story to me, but no. Today we're looking at the exact opposite of that, the exact opposite of that. We want to be Superman. We want to be God. We want to be in control and have all those things. Today we're looking at the exact opposite of that. We're looking at God doing the exact opposite of what we try to do as we look at Matthew chapter 1. If you're there with me, read along. It says, now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated, God is with us. Lord, I come to you today, Lord, and as we read your word and speak your word, Lord, and as we come together in your name, I just pray that this time would be a fruitful time, a time of reflection on what you've done, a time of appreciation for what you're doing, God, and a time of, of motivation for what you're going to do. Lord, we thank you that you love us. We thank you that you have forgiven us of our sin. We thank you that you have saved us, Lord. All of us here this morning that have placed our faith, our hope, and trust, and action in that this morning, God, may we, may we celebrate that, be inspired by that. Lord, if there's anyone among us this morning, here in the building, here in this, in this house together, or, or watching online, Watching through the cameras, God, if, they, if they've never placed their faith in that, we pray that today would be the day of salvation. As your word is proclaimed, God, that it will bring us all to a decision point for you. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're looking here at the, the end of chapter 1 uh, of Matthew's 
account of the Christmas story, what took place in, uh, in Matthew's story. And he goes on with, with the next chapter is what we will talk about on Christmas Eve. Um, but today, let's dig into this, these couple of verses because there's a lot going on here. The first thing, and I've never really, I mean, I know this concept, but I've never really thought about it in this context, it being said right here. I've just kind of skimmed over this verse, excuse me, numerous times, or this part of this verse. It says, now all this took place, what is all this? This is what Matthew's already talked about, what we've been talking about for the last three weeks, uh, that, that, that God was going to be born as a person, and it was going to come through a specific person, namely someone who has never done what it takes to humanly make a baby, a virgin. Then the angel spoke this to numerous people, to Mary, to Joseph. He started with Zechariah and, 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 and John. That all of this was going to take place so it could be done by what was spoken by the Lord. Now that is a truth this morning that we do not need to skim over. This was spoken by the Lord. God is the author of this life, <clears throat> of all life. And what He has spoken, He allowed human beings to document for your benefit, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> and for mine. This, this word that we call, this, this Bible, this Scripture, God's Word, it's God-inspired. It's God-breathed. We can never skim over how important that is. Now, many of you know that and you believe that, and, and, and some of us try our best to live like we know that and we believe that. But really think about that. What we have in our hands, what you have in your hands this morning, the thing that hopefully you read on a regular basis, maybe you even study every once in a while, hopefully outside of just Sunday mornings, it is God-inspired, God-breathed, infallible, inspired, inerrant Word of God. It was spoken from God first, before it was spoken through man. Hang on that truth. Trust in that truth. Live your life like that is true, because it is true. So God spoke all of this first, through the prophet, though. Through the prophet. Now, what's Matthew talking about here? Well, many of you know, he's talking about the prophet Isaiah, specifically here. This is a quotation from Isaiah 7.14. God spoke through the prophet. God works through us. That's weird. I mean, that's weird to me. That's strange. Do you, do you realize the kind of responsibility that is, that God, God works through us? He spoke it. It's His Word. It's His power. It's His authority. But He spoke it through the prophet, through Isaiah. God works through us. 700 years, give a little bit, but 700 years before Jesus, Isaiah spoke these words. And then, and then the cool thing here, a little, a little grammar note today, the, the way this is written in the Greek, it, it implies that the angel, when speaking this, Spoke it as a quotation, basically, of Isaiah 7.14. In other words, it wasn't implied. The angel literally quoted Isaiah 7.14. The angel quoted this to Joseph as he was saying this to him to calm his fears about his virgin wife suddenly having a baby. So he spoke through the prophet, and he works through us. 
And he said that the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel. Emmanuel, God is with us. It's translated. Matthew makes sure that those that don't know Hebrew, because he's, he's, that's what he's writing in. Those that don't know Hebrew, Emmanuel, will know for sure what this means. It means God is with us. He adds this for us to make sure we understand and get the point of what is taking place. That God is with us. Now understand this. This is not a name as in a name like you get called by a name. This is more a, a title. It's more a description. It's, it's, it's saying who someone is more than it is really what you call them by. You don't call them by this name. It is who it is. It, it with 100% certainty, bestows deity on the beholder. If you were to say that someone is Emmanuel, then you are saying that they are God. Again, and I've mentioned this just about every week during Advent, there's, there's a lot of unsubstantiated scholarly bunk out there when it comes to the birth of Jesus and and Jesus being God and, and those types of things, none of which are substantiated by primary sources, by the way, just throwing that out there. There's things that people have repeated now enough that people believe them. But one of the things is, is that Jesus never really said that he was God and that, then that Scripture doesn't really say that he was God. And they try to take things out of context and make, that, make, that a, make the case for that. When clearly right here in the very beginning of the first book of the Bible we have that talks directly about Jesus in the very first chapter, it says that Jesus is God. Because for God to be with us, then whoever is bringing that presence has to be God for God to be with us. So it bestows deity on the beholder. It's, it's incarnate deity. It's, it's, it's God in a body. It's something that we should never lose our awe of. Tony Evans said, says it this way, to quote him, That truth is the essence of Christmas. All the problems of this world can be tracked, traced back to sin. And Jesus Christ entered the world to forgive us of our sins, give us victory over our sins, and give us an eternal home free from sin. That truth is what Christmas is all about. If you missed that, you've missed the point. That's what we're celebrating in this Advent season. That's what we're celebrating on December 25th, that God loved you and loved me and loved everyone ever born or that ever will be born so much that he wanted to give us forgiveness of our sins and victory over our sins and an eternal home without sin. Praise the Lord. Thank you for that. And he had to come the way that God said he was going to come, through a virgin, to be God with us. It's an amazing point. So this, this name, Emmanuel, it, it's literally, when you, when you look at the word literally, I'm would be, would be with, Anu would be us, and El is the, is the uh, Hebrew word for, for God. Like, just God itself. Not all the other words we put on God, but just God itself. It's, it's with us, God. With us, God, Emmanuel. It's not a name, it's a description. Jesus, in other words, brings a recognizable presence of God to mankind. Now, there were things that represented the presence of God. God, God showed up in different ways, but Jesus brought a recognizable, visible presence of God to mankind. John says it this way in John chapter 1, 
verse 14. It says, The Word became flesh and took up residence among us, dwelt among us, lived among us. We observed His glory, the glory as the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and full of truth, which is one of my favorite descriptions of Jesus, full of grace and full of truth. The Logos, the Logos, the Greek word used there for the word, the Logos. There's different words in Greek for word. There's rima, which would be like literally a word, and there's Logos. The word Logos implies a complete message, a, con a complete philosophical set of facts, a complete message. Jesus is God's Logos, God the Father's Logos. He is the Word. He is the total message of God. The total message of God wrapped Himself, wrapped Himself in flesh to join humanity. What a story. What a story. What a truth. If I were God, I probably wouldn't have done it this way. I'm thankful He did it this way because it's the best way. Do you know that I was having a Facebook discussion this week, which is always dangerous, especially when it comes to theology. But it was kind of quick and kind of short, so I thought I could get it in there. But <clears throat> long story short, it was asking, this person was asking some questions about God. And it, and it just kind of came to me, you know, the way God did it may not be the way you would have done it. But the way God has done this, the way he has revealed himself to man and saved man, the way he has done all of this, there will be no one ever that has existed that will be able to say that they didn't receive the chance for God's love. That's the whole point. There's no excuse for not being loved by God, for not recognizing God's love. God didn't come in the first time and wipe everything out, although he could have. God didn't come in the first time and judge, although he could have. God didn't come in the first time and punish you and me and everyone for their sins. God came in the first time and gave us forgiveness of our sins. No one will stand before God with the right or the actual excuse to be able to say, well, I, I didn't know that you loved me. There's nothing more God could have done to prove his love than to come into the world the way that he did and to express himself the way that he has. He wrapped himself in flesh, the full, complete message of God. Jesus, the Son, is everything God wanted and needed to communicate to mankind. End of message. Jesus is the message. Love is is the message. God wants you forever is the message. God's willing to do anything for you, even, even separate from himself and experience pain and suffering and death for you so that you can be reconciled to him. No excuse ever before this God. Only three times this, this title is used in Scripture. It's used in Isaiah 7.14, it's used in description of what's going to take place in Isaiah 8.8, 8, and then it's used here in Matthew 1.23. The word and the, the description, the title, Emmanuel, is not a description that's used a lot. It's not thrown around a lot. It's a specific description for a specific person. 
We talked last week about the fact that Jesus' name is Jesus. Yeshua, Yahweh saves, a common name, a very common name in the Jewish culture. Why? Because they were looking forward to Yahweh saving. All throughout their history, they, they recognized their need as God's people to be saved, literally and physically in the world, as well as from their sins. Yahweh saves is Jesus' name. Jesus is His name. But what separates this common name to something else is His title, which is Christ, which is what we talked about the second week of Advent. That title changes everything. Jesus, well, we still have people named that, right? Not very much in, in, in English, but it's the same thing when you say Joshua. It's kind of the, another English form of the same word, right? It's, in, in Spanish, it's still a very common name for someone to be named Jesus. What separates all the people that have been named that to this Jesus is the title, the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God. That's what changes everything. And then you get this description, Emmanuel. Jesus, the Savior, Yahweh saves, who is the Christ, the Messiah, the promised King forever, is God with us. It's not God, it's not God separated from us. It's not God, I'm bigger, better than you are. It's not God, I'm so impersonal that you can't know me. It's not God, the old angry man in the sky. It's not God that looks like Santa Claus. It's not any of that stuff. It's God with us. That's God's love. God loved us so much that He came down here to enjoy all the wonderful suffering and splendor that we get in this world. He understands. He gets it. He went through it. He had perfect harmony and perfect union. God the Son with God the Father. No sin, no separation. What we will experience in heaven one day. He had that and He set that aside because He loves us and He came to dwell with us. He is Emmanuel. Think about what it means to worship that God that has come down and, in, and, and experienced a sinful world. Not because He deserved to. Because He didn't want you to be punished for that. That's a cool God. That's a God worth worshiping, as I've said a million times. And then another thing that hit me this week, right? This, this word and this idea, this title is not used very much. Isaiah is the first person to use it, which is around 700 B.C. when he uses it. There's several hundred years of Scripture dealing with people and with God and with God's people prior to this title. It's not used again until Jesus comes. Before Isaiah, and then ultimately before Jesus, this, this idea of God being with us wasn't really an idea. It was, it was, I am with you. That's what Scripture says. Now, what am I saying? Think about the difference. Man, man recognized, mankind recognized that, that I am with you. In other words, God's with you. And it was, it was when God's presence showed up, it was an overwhelmingly fearful thing. It was an overwhelming emotion. It, it, you couldn't even stand it when God's presence showed up. Go through Scripture and find it. And he says when, when those things, I am with you. Fear not, for I am with you. It was, and, and he would show up when? In the pillar of the cloud. 
God, God, I am with you in the cloud. Symbolically, I am with you in the tabernacle. Symbolically, I am with you in the temple. Literally, I, my presence, I am with you in the holy of holies, in the center of the temple, or in the ark of the covenant. I am with you. And, the, and, and, when, and when he showed up, it was just overwhelming awe. It, it felt kind of remote. It felt kind of impersonal. It felt kind of inaccessible. What did, what, did, what did Isaiah mean when he said, God is with us? Well, they, they didn't really understand that. They know, I am with you, they understood. But God with us, man recognizing that back to God, they didn't really understand it. It was a hard concept to get until 700 years later. When Isaiah first put this concept out there, Emmanuel, when God spoke it through Isaiah, Emmanuel, God with us. So how do I recognize that? What does that mean? What do you, like, what do you mean God is with us? And then 700 years later, Jesus is born, and all ambiguity, all ambiguity, all confusion, all of it goes away. It fades away. God is with us. Emmanuel literally dwelling with us amazing that this switch changes this 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 entire view of who god is changes when the message the complete message of god shows up in human form excuse me and the last point on emmanuel is this jesus is still emmanuel hear me church some of us are asleep this morning Jesus is still Emmanuel. It's not God was with us. It's not Jesus was born and did live back then and did all those things in the past. It's not God was with us. It's God is with us. When, when, when Moses first asked God his name, what did he say? He said, I am who I am. Tell them that I am has sent you. God's not a past God. Jesus is not a past being. He's now. He's a now being. He's an eternal being. Jesus is still Emmanuel. God is still with us. He still is with us. Physically, actually in this world, as the Holy Spirit. That's the comforter that we have now. We, we literally have the presence of God, the Holy Spirit, available to us through faith now. But, soon and very soon, as the old hymn says, soon and very soon, it'll be again in sight. Emmanuel, the, the, the physical presence of God, the actual Jesus, we will, we will see him again soon. He's not a was. He's a is and always will be. God is always here with us. He is still here with us. Think about this. Very first chapter of Matthew, Matthew gives us the genealogy, which is the credibility, the credentials of Jesus, who he is, where he came from, what that means, how it fulfills scripture, and then he gives us this, the quick little synopsis of his birth, that he was born of a virgin, that the angel came and said that this was fulfilling prophecy in Isaiah, and he says that what that means is, because of all of that, it means God is with us. And then he goes through the life of Jesus, and then how does Matthew end? 
How does Matthew end? We say it every week, just about. The very end, Jesus' last words to us before he ascends in the account of Matthew. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. He's, the whole point of the beginning of Matthew telling us about Jesus is to, to tell us that God is with us. And then Jesus' last words in Matthew is a reminder of that fact, that he still is with us, that he will continue to be with us, that he will always be with us. First, First Thessalonians 4.17 says that, says that when we are caught up with those that have been raised in the, from the dead and we're caught up with them to Jesus, when we're raptured to our Savior, that we will go read it always be with him that's the point that's what god wants he wants you and me with him in relationship forever god's presence in his presence forever think about the thing that's made you the brought you the most happiness the most joy the most elation in this life it's not even close to what it's going to feel like to be in the presence of god it's, it's infinitesimally smaller, less than that, to be in God's presence. That's what he wants. John 14, 3 says that I'm going to prepare a place for you so that where I am, you will be with me also, always. That's the whole point. God came to us first so that he could bring us to him forever. God wants us with him. This name, Emmanuel, is not just a casual name. It's not just a song that we sing, although there's a lot of cool songs that have that word in there. It's not just that. It's, it's, it's the overarching concept of God's word. It is the message. It is the logos. God came to us because he wants to be with us, and that if you will place your faith in that, that Jesus Christ shed his blood on the cross and died but then proved his victory over that with his righteousness and came back to life and has said over and over and over and over again that if you will place your faith in me, for those that love me, they will obey me. They will follow my commands. If you'll place your faith in me, then I'll give that to you, eternity, eternal life with me forever because that's the entire point god wants his created beings in his image made in his image in his likeness to be with him but he had to do something to get sin out and he did it he did it by coming to be with us first i'm with you always to the end of the age so that just brings up a few questions then that's what that's what scripture does for me it brings up questions because you it brings up decisions the first question is, what does it mean for you that God is with us? What does it mean for you individually? Because we're not going to keep this theoretical where you can walk out of here and go, well that, was, well, that was a decent message today, and I go on about my life. It's not the way God's Word works. It's not the way this church works. If you're here just to, just to spectate, you're not going to be very comfortable here. That's not what we do. What does it mean for you? What does it mean for you that God is with us? How, how should that change you? How should that change me? Individually, 
your life, your decisions, how should that change you? That God is with us now and wants us with him physically forever. How should that change your, your level of anticipation about life? Right? I gotta get a, I'm in a student, I gotta get an education so I can get a job and get married so I can have kids, so I can have a nice house, so I can have a nice car, so I can retire at a certain age, so I can look back and go, what was the point? There's more to it than that. And we live our life in this anticipation that the next thing this physical world has to offer is going to fulfill us somehow. And it ain't. It's not going to. It wasn't designed to. It can be enjoyed, but it's not going to fulfill you. It's not going to give you a satisfaction, not like God's presence will give you. How, how should the fact that God is with us change us? How should it change your, your anticipation about what, your, your anxiety? How should it change your anxiety? Are you experiencing anxiety? Have you remembered lately that God is with you? Have we remembered lately that God is with us? What do you mean life is overwhelming? God is with us. Is life overwhelming? Yes. But remember that God is with you. His presence is with you. The God that loved you enough to set aside his godness. All the power that he had. Superman, for lack of a better term. To become regular man. Didn't need an airplane or seatbelt. But then put himself in a position where he had to have an airplane and a seatbelt. How should that change you? What about your fear? The big decisions you have in life. How, how should we, we should view everything through the fact that God is with us. It's not a concept that we can just brush aside and pretend like it's not that big of a deal because it is a big deal. Romans 8.3 says this, What the law could not do since it was limited by the flesh, God did. He condemned sin in the flesh by sending His own Son in flesh, like ours, under sin's dominion as a sin offering. Forgiveness of sin, gifted eternal life through faith, how should, how, should, how should you love when you're wronged? Because God is with us. How, how generous should you be? Because God is with us. How, how much serving is enough? Because God's with us. How, how much sacrifice is enough? Because God is with you. When he challenges you to do those things, he's with you. You, not impersonally, literally, and as personable as you'll allow it to be, like any other relationship you have. The amount of time, commitment you put into the relationship. He ain't gone anywhere. How should that change us? Last question is this. What does it mean for us as a church? Individually, you as, a, as, a, as an individual brick of this, of this ecclesia, this body, Jesus is assembled people, Individually, it matters how you live your life. And then together, as we come together corporately, which is the only expression God gave for the world to know him. You thought about that lately? God didn't say, go be an individual stone, an individual Christian for the rest of your life, and that's how they will know me. He says they'll know me through the church, through coming together and being his assembled 
people. What does that mean for us? That God is with us in what we do. And we are to be his representation together. What, what should we be willing to risk in order to be who God has called us to be? What can we not risk? Is anything off the table? You know, in ministry, lots of times, if you, if you risk something, if you do something and it doesn't work, then it's almost like, well then, well, then God wasn't in that. I just don't believe that. I don't believe that. I believe lots of times that, that, that trying something and it not working leads you to what works. And the reason a lot of the things don't work in the church is because churches aren't, are scared to risk something not working. God's with us, guys. God is with us. Jesus came to be with us, and he wants us back with him forever. God is with us. His Holy Spirit is with us. What do we need to be doing in light of that truth? Now, last week, as a church, we voted to make a major change. That didn't seem very major. I was a little nervous about it. I'll be honest with you. Josh shaking his head. He knows. I couldn't even eat lunch last Sunday. I waited until after we were done because I, I felt like it was a fairly major change what we were doing. Some of you weren't there and, and weren't part of it, but we changed the way that, we're, that our entire missional aspect of our budget last week. And I think it's a risk. It may or may not work. I don't know. It may lead us to something better. It may be exactly what we're supposed to do. I'm not sure. If you don't know what we did, what we did was we took our special offerings that we give as Southern Baptist, and instead of, instead of just gathering those throughout specific times of the year, we just built it into the budget percentage-wise. Now, you can still give to those things, Annie Armstrong and Lottie Moon and, and, and Nikki Jackson. You can still give to those things specifically, but we're going to take every dollar that's given to this church, and we're going to take a percentage of it and give it away. Every time you give to this church, Two and a half percent of that is going out to those three things. Now, I thought it was a big deal. I was expecting a little bit of resistance. I'm not saying that I'm not, I'm glad. I mean, I, I'm happy, but it was a risk. And then we said, because of that, now we're going to take the month of May, which was when Miss Lita was born, her birthday month, and we're going to have a local mission offering. And that's the time we're going to ask you to give specifically to an offering. It's going to be the Lita George Mission Offering. Every time, every Sunday in, in May, we're going to remind you of that and talk about that, and, and we're going to take that money and, and, and do stuff with it. And some of, that, some of the times we'll take that money and we'll do stuff and it'll work. And some of the times we'll take money and we'll do stuff and it may not work. It'll be a risk, but it's worth the risk. And we can take those risks because we ultimately know that God is with us and that we are with Him. Any, anything that is thrown at us in this world, we can handle. Not because we can handle it, but because God is with us. What, this is the question that I, I don't have the answer to this. What would it, exactly, what exactly would it look like for this church to consistently be sincere and serve and sacrifice like we know and believe that God is with us. What is that going to look like? I think sometimes we look like that. I don't think we do all the time. 
I think sometimes I look like that. I think I don't all the time. But what would it look like if we could consistently be that church? Would you pray about that with me? When God gives you an idea, let's, let's discuss it. Let's see, if, let's see if it's good. Let's see if we can do it. What is it going to look like? I don't know. I don't know. But I know it could be more than what we're already doing. Because it always can be. It always can be. But I just want you to remember that as we close up today. I'll pray for us and we'll have a, a last song here. Just, just remember, whatever you're going through right now, good, bad, and everything in between, as this busy week comes up and you start your family gatherings and, and all those types of things, and it, and it can get stressful and overwhelming and all that, and all the things that are go, just remember, that's why Jesus said that, remember, because he knew we would need to be reminded, remember that he's with us. God is with us. Jesus the Christ is with us. And all that we do in his name, he is with us.